What's up, Wall Sports fans? Welcome back to another episode. As always, I'm with my guy, Nishan Anderson. We have a very, very exciting episode for you guys. We have two special guests. We have Keith from Keith Hot Takes. He will be joining us later on today, as long as Chris Ruff from Timeout Sports got some NBA topics coming up, Rookie of the Year, John Morangan, MIP, Most Improved Player. So it's a, it's a star-studded episode, and please stay tuned for the rest of it because you're not going to want to miss it. Now, Sean, man, how are you doing? I'm good, bro. You know, working hard, living life, talking about sports, but to bash your head in a little bit. So, you know, life is good. Uh, you don't you be bashing no heads in. He's all, he's all talk and never backs it up. But a group of people that do talk and they do back it up is them Celtics as they brought out the brooms. I wish I had my little broom over here as they beat the Nets in four in the first round of the NBA playoffs. First team and the only team to be swept in the first round is uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Nice, Sean. Are you surprised at how dominating this performance was by the Celtics against the Nets? Yes, in the fashion that they did beat them in four games. But no, I did expect, you know, the Celtics win this series in six. But in the fashion they did it in four games, it's kind of like, you know, eye-opening, mind-blowing in a sense because they just took it to Brooklyn all four games. And in the regular season, you know, the Boston Celtics ranked first in um, defense, and that's according to um, NBA.com. And the Nets, they don't rate. 20th in defense, so we already knew the Nets weren't going to stop anybody, no matter who they were playing, but given that they had to play the Celtics the first round, and the Celtics have a lot of pieces. You got um, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and you got the role players, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, um, Derek White, and you can throw in there too, and there's just so many people that you you just have to contain and limit their chances of scoring. And I didn't see the net stopping that. And as you can see in the four games, they couldn't stop it. And, you know, the Brooklyn role players weren't producing as much as they should. You know, Gordon Dragic really didn't get going. You know, he had a couple of good games, but it wasn't enough for them to win the game. The only person I've seen out there producing on a nightly basis was Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown was probably looking at Kyrie and KD like, Y'all going to show up, you know, like, I need y'all. But, um, man, I'm, I'm really not surprised that they won, but how they won is definitely eye-opening. Yeah, man, I, I definitely agree with you. How they won is definitely, definitely eye-opening. I mean, when you have – the player, the caliber of players that they have, I mean, you got Kyrie, you got KD, you got Blake, you got Andre Drummond, you got Nicholas Claxton. I expect you to win one game. With Kyrie and KD alone, I expect you to win one game. And I even left off Steph Curry, who was averaging 14.5 in the series against the Celtics and playing playing pretty well. I mean, shot the best three-point percentage on the team at 52%. Shot the best field goal percentage on the team at 56%. I mean, this is this is a team that's supposed to win a game. A game. I mean, the Raptors, 
they won multiple games. I'm not trying to say the Raptors are terrible, but I mean, if you look at your eight seeds, your eight seeds have won a game. But why can't KD and Kyrie win a game? I mean, if LeBron got swept in the first round, Twitter will break. Twitter would be broken. So the fact that hey, it's just KD, yeah, he got swept. Yeah, we disappointed. It speaks on to the caliber of player that he is. And yes, he is a great player. But I mean, when you when you're held to a standard day in and day out, it's a lot harder to meet that standard day in and day out. Yeah, man. Um, another thing is given that Brooklyn doesn't play a lot of good defense. I believe KD was forced to use a lot more energy to try to stop Boston as well. And, you know, that's going to take away from, you know, getting on buck- those buckets that his team needed. Same for Kyrie Irving. You know, they can be a two-way superstar, but they really thrive on the offense and, you know, maybe take a possession or two off. But with Boston and the pieces that they have, you really can't do that. You got to be able to play both sides of the ball play great defense and get back on offense and they're not going to make it easy for you. So, you know, they're going to they're take tough shots. You don't have to work to get a good shot. And it just wasn't enough for Brooklyn. Yeah, man. I don't know what they're going to do with Brooklyn, man. I, at this point, you're going to, at this point, you got to, you got to make a change somewhere. And it's got to, got to be nice. I mean, you're not giving up Kyrie. You're not giving up KD. You already gave up James Harden. I mean, you're not. You, this team's been together three years now with KD, Kyrie, and Steve Nash. I mean, something's got to give, and it's always the head coach that goes first. Hate to say it, but I feel like Nash is on his way out the door. So if he goes out the door, you know, who they going to get? You know? I don't even know, man. Depends on who's out there. I mean, they could go with Frank Vogel. Think Vogel, he is going to be out at um, LA, unfortunately, with the way the season went out this year. I mean, but there's going to be some other. There's going to be some others out there. They're gonna they're gonna find somebody, somebody who's coached before. I mean, I don't, I don't know a former NBA player who, in his first coaching job, it's worked out for him well. True. I mean, I think Jason Kidd started in um, Milwaukee. Now he's coaching Dallas. And now he's having success in Dallas. I mean, it you gotta gotta go through your ups and downs. You know, there's gonna be there's gonna be some walls that you hit as a coach because the coaching it ain't easy. It's a grind. Now I was gonna say Steve Kerr, but Steve Kerr, he was he he was an assistant coach up on a, up on a Popovich first. So you know he was able to sit back and learn how things are supposed to go. Sure. Moving on to the next topic. As you can see, we have a special guest on the show. I mean Keith from Keith Hot's Takes. Make sure you know I go support him on Twitter and YouTube at Keith Hot's Takes. I'm good. How about y'all? Hey, man, I can't complain, man. Good, good, good. Keith, Keith, we brought you on the show to talk about your team and see how they're going to do this season. You know, you know what team I'm talking about? 
Yes, America's team. <laughs> they, they are not America's team. I mean, Cowboys. Yes, America's team. <laughs> we love our hitters. <laughs> okay. But to bring on this topic, the last two years the Dallas Cowboys have crushed the draft, picking up C.D. Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, and Michael Parsons. They will be looking to retain their streak in this year's draft, and they have nine picks. So, Keith, we'll start with you. What position do you see your team picking up this year in the draft? Uh, hopefully we get a receiver to replace Amari Cooper. Uh, I still can't believe we moved on from him. Uh, we definitely need to get some offensive line depth because uh, our offensive linemen, they're getting older. They're not being able to play 16, well, 17 games now. So we're definitely getting stronger on the offensive line. I would love if we could get a young linebacker to pop, uh, pair with Michael Parsons. Uh, I think that would be very, very scary. I'm looking at Devin Lloyd. If he's still available at 24, I would love to get him. Uh, we need some corners because uh, outside of Trayvon Diggs, our, our corners usually get picked on, and sometimes he gets picked on because he likes to gamble. And uh, I definitely think we need to get a kicker uh, with one of our final picks. So those, those are the positions I think we need to address with our nine picks. Mark, go ahead. Yeah, um, I completely I agree with you. I mean, I, I disagree with you in the part where I feel like you guys, I don't think you guys need to go get another wide receiver. I mean, you have CeeDee Lamb, you have Michael Gallup. I understand you lost to Mario Cooper, but for the production that you're going to need out of that number three receiver, I feel the guys that you have on the roster will be able to fulfill that. And, you know, CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, they're going to get a bulk of the attention. So I feel like they can break out for at least four or five routes a game. That'll help you guys be able to move on. I do think you guys need to get on some O-line. Even though your O-line did really good this year, Dak was the 20th most sacked quarterback out of 32 starting quarterbacks. That's pretty good. But get some in the late round to build up to let them learn how to be, you know, an O-line in the NFL. I think that'd be a great job. The key parts are for me for is the defensive tackle, an edge rusher, uh, some linebackers, and a cornerback, just like you said, to help out with with digs. Sure. Um, well, I feel like they would want to get another receiver because CD, to me, he works best when he's in the slot. Uh, he really didn't do as well when he was on the outside to me. Uh, this year, he seemed to really struggle. He didn't do as well as when he was in the slot. And also, we don't know when Michael Gallup is going to be coming back. He's coming off an ACL injury. He got surgery in February, so I'm not really, I'm not really optimistic on him being ready for the season. I don't want him to rush back because that's something that you've got to take your time with. Um, so definitely, and yeah, we do need to get a defensive end as well. I forgot to mention that because we did lose Randy Gregory, Jerry, and them. They tried to fool some stuff on him, and he decided to go to Denver. So. Definitely, because the people we have to replace him, I don't think that they'll be able to. So if it's a defensive end at 24, I would love to get one. Uh, if Jordan Davis from Georgia is there at 24, I doubt he will, because it's going to be so many teams that's going to be trying to get him. I would love to have a big boy like that in the middle to clog up the run game, because that's something we struggle with. So I would definitely love that. Yeah, man, I agree with Everything I've said, um, offensive line needs work. When it comes down to the wide receiver, I do believe y'all need one. I I wouldn't trust CD Land to be the number one wide receiver. So I, <laughs> I suspect y'all need to try to bring in a number one wide receiver. 
the thing is, a lot of y'all are receivers, like Michael Gallup and what's the other dude names? Hendrick Wilson, the kind of smaller talk figure. I might go for a bigger wide receiver, maybe somebody like uh, Justin Ross from Clemson, just to kind of have a, a big wide receiver out there on the field. I do also believe y'all may sneak and get a running back. Zeke's mm-hmm. production has done the last couple of years. I believe Howard's contract is about to come to an end after this season. Yep. One of the two is going to have to go and maybe, you know, you drive one and build and see where that goes. But that's an, a specific pick, I believe. That's going to be um, addressing this year's draft for the Cowboys. Um, and we also we did lose Cedric Wilson, unfortunately. Uh, I thought when we let Amari Cooper go, I thought we was going to try to bring Gallup back and Cedric Wilson both back, but we decided to give Gallup almost seventeen million dollars, so that eliminated Cedric Wilson. He went to Miami on a three-year, twenty-two million, if I remember correctly, deal. So we're definitely going to miss him. But we picked up uh, James Washington uh, from Pittsburgh. And, you know, he's been able to produce with any quarterback that they've thrown on the field with him. So I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. Yeah, that's all the more reason why my, my point is proven. Um, Washington is a small wide receiver can be put in the slot. So I definitely need to maybe get a bigger wide receiver, you know, get some red zone targets to him. For sure. Things go. Yeah. I see y'all can get the ball down the field, you know, instead of letting Thomas fire. Right. So – uh, Keith, I don't know if you've been keeping up with any of the mock drafts or anything, but what are who are a couple of players that you uh, like so far for the cow for the Cowboys trying to pick up? Um, well, I had uh, Devin Lloyd. He's a linebacker from Utah. I was looking at his uh, highlight tape last night before bed. He's he's a complete linebacker. I think him and Michael Parsons, if they're paired together, I think it could be scary. Uh, Chris Olave from Ohio State, I doubt he'll be available at 24, but if he is, uh, his production at Ohio State uh, is special, and he's a special route runner, and they've produced some great route, uh, wide receivers, so uh, we could get a guy like that. Or uh, Jamison Williams, I'm thinking he may, you know, slip in the draft because he's coming off that ACL injury. So if we could get a speedy receiver like that, I think that'd be fun for that. Uh, so... And uh, Traylon Burke, you know, because he's a big receiver. Uh, he's explosive and he's hard to bring down. And he could kind of be like uh, a Michael Gallup, you know, type of receiver, big physical receiver. He doesn't like to go down when he gets the ball. So those are some of the guys I'm looking at. Uh, what about you, Nashawn? Uh, like I was saying, maybe wide receiver, Justin Rose, a big, big wide receiver, go out there and make plays. You know, uh, especially after the catch. Um, defensive end was, oh, oh, my gosh. I can't remember his name. Who's the one? was talking about earlier from, from Georgia. Oh, uh, Walker. I forget his first name. Traven or something like that. Traven Walker. I think that was something like that. That would be a great pickup. The hardest thing I can see them trying to address is that cornerback position given there's not – too many great corners in this year's draft, and the ones that are, you know, really good, they're going to be going in the first and second round. I believe they, you know, they're safe to the, the wide receiver and then maybe the linebacker is it offensive line position first. Uh, you know, I believe those are teams really need, but linebacker and defensive end, I mean, not linebacker, linebacker and um, corner is going to be dressed later in the draft, so. That's definitely 
Yeah. So um, I'm with that 24 pick. I kind of stuck between um, Dean, a linebacker from Georgia. He's he's been a really good player all year. Helped Georgia, you know, really really great season. And then Travis Jones, a defensive tackle from UConn. I think he's really good player, sleeper pick to try to come up and be a really great do do a lot of that stuff on the defensive end to help Michael Parsons on the front half of the uh, defense. Yeah, um, I was thinking about Dean, but I was like, there's so many teams that need a linebacker. So by the time we pick, unless we move up. And I've been hearing some rumors that we're going to try to move up and get uh, KB on uh, Thibodeau out of Oregon. I don't want us to do that because we have so many needs that we need to address in the draft. So I don't really want us to do that. I know it's some teams in the top 10 that are, that are looking to trade back and, you know, get more picks. But I definitely don't want us to, you know, trade up for a defense. And if we're going to trade up, uh, maybe get a wide receiver or try to get a sauce Gardner if he's still available, if we're going to move into that top 10. Uh, so... And, you know, Jeff Jones, he's been known to move move up, move some pieces around it, get some really good high high offense, high offensive players in the draft. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were to make a move like that. Yeah, because at 24, I mean, you, it's probably still going to be some good players available. But if you want one of the best players in the draft, you're probably going to have to move into that top 15 for sure. And I don't think nobody from that top 15 is going to budge. Well, I, I know the Panthers, they've talked about um, moving back because they don't have uh, a pick until the fourth round. And I know the Giants have talked about moving back. And we don't know what the Texans are going to do at three. So we just have to wait and see. It's going to be crazy, though. Yeah, it most definitely is going to be crazy. So, hey, once again, we had uh, Keith here from Keith's Hot Takes. If you are not, follow him on everything, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, subscribe to his channel, at Keith's Hot Takes. Keith, man, we appreciate you for coming on the show, man. Yes, thank you all again for having me. Appreciate you, bro. All right. That was good. Appreciate you, Keith. Yeah, no problem. Uh, where's my buddy at? I need to speak to my buddy. Uh, ref's not coming on until about 12.30. Oh, okay. what time is it? It's like 12.16 now. Yeah. But moving on to the next topic, Scotty Barnes, 2021-2022 Rookie of the Year, averaging 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Evan Mobley from Cleveland, he came in second place, and Kay Cunningham was right behind him in third place. Now, Sean, do you agree with Barnes being named Rookie of the Year? Yes, I do agree with this. Um, he's a key piece to this Raptors team already in just his rookie year. He's one of those, you know, do-it-all players. He can he can defend really well, come back to offense and score. He can rebound. He can assist. He can even be a ball handler for a team that can really need him too. And you can tell, like, the immediate impact he has had on this team. Game one against the um, 76ers, he got injured. But before he got injured, he had 15 points, 10 rebounds, and eight assists. And he missed games two and three in those games that the Raptors lost. But he came back in game four. And they won, and they won the last two. So now it's um, Philly's up three to two, and it's a game six. And I believe it's because he's staying back. It's another piece, almost like a glue piece in a sense, to the team already in his rookie year. 
I mean, Evan Mobley had a fantastic year. He averaged 15 points, eight rebounds, and two assists. But um, a lot of his success came, became easier when um, Jordan Allen was playing. And when Jared Allen got hurt, he kind of had to step up. And that's when you could see where he kind of struggled and maybe hit the little rookie roll that everyone goes through at some point. Kay Cunningham, he averaged 17 points, five rebounds, five assists. It's a, a really good rookie year as well. But, I mean, he's a, he's a person, so you can't expect too much. But the way Scotty Barnes has came in his rookie year and had an immediate impact on this Raptors team and basically become a really good piece for them in the future. I mean, that speaks for itself and the impact speaks for itself as well. You're not going to see that in a set sheet. Right, man, most definitely. Um, I agree with you, man. I Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year, I'm in favor of it. I mean, averaging 15 points on the year, seven and a half rebounds, second on team, second on the team, being shot 50% from the field, 30% from three is not it's not that bad right now for a, a rookie year. Um, double doubles, he had 13 on the year. And it's not just, you know, oh, the stats and the double doubles, but it's how he had these double doubles. I mean, just listen to, I mean, he had 19 points, 14 rebounds to get to Atlanta. I mean, Clint Capella's down there dominate always dominating the boards every time he's in the game had 31 and 17 rebounds against the lakers 18 points and 16 rebounds against brooklyn 12 points and 15 rebounds against the knicks and 10 points and 13 rebounds against the warriors i mean that's just some of the best ones he had i mean this is a consistent thing i mean we we, we talked about it's like it's not these awards are not all about stats it's about the some of it's got to be eye test. Some, some of it's got to be the level of impact that you have on the game. And some of these things don't show up in the stats. I mean, they're currently they're down 3-2 in the series against Philly. And right now, he's averaging 9, 9.7 rebounds. I mean, might as well just go ahead and say 10 at this point, 10 rebounds. And Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, are they grabbing 10 apiece on the boards for their team. And he's matching them. In this playoffs, after, after missing two games, too, exactly. Like he's like his average is still up there, so like he's he's matching them. So I I think I think that's pretty impressive. I mean, I think that just shows why he deservingly should have been rookie of the year. I agree, man. Really great year, and you can tell he's gonna be a piece that the Raptors are going to keep for a long time, almost like, you know, the Rosen, they had Kyle Lowry. There's somebody they can build off of and build around. Right, and I think it's going to be – well, I thought I think this was a very tough race this year because, I mean, Evan Mobley was killing it this year. I mean, averaging 15 and 8, almost a double-double. I mean, just what he, what he was able to do for this Cavs team this this upcoming year was – phenomenal i mean i could definitely see him you know getting more awards next year if he continues this level of play and then also Kay cunningham i mean he almost averaged 20 points i mean usually we give it to the person who's averaging the most but i mean he's on this pistons team that's not not doing so well so i mean it was a tough race but i think the right man uh got the award this time i agree Moving on to some NFL talk. 
Debo Samuels have requested a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. Many did not believe the rumors until a video film at a nightclub surfaced where they had a sign saying Debo stay and he made the no gesture. So Mark, what teams do you see Debo being traded to? Ah uh, man, this is some pretty it's a pretty tough question. I mean, I can see Debo going to a number of teams. I mean, the 49ers, they only want uh rumors rumors say they only want two first round picks. I mean Serious, my serious contenders are the New York Jets because Tyreek Hill was almost going to go there when they were putting all that money in front of him. Um, the Lions, because they have, they have the cat space and the picks. The Jets also have the picks. They have the number four and number 10 pick from Seattle. The Lions have the number two overall pick and number 32 pick. All of these in the first round. The Packers, I could see them making a play at him because – Devontae Adams is gone. I mean, who, who is Aaron Rodgers going to throw the ball to? So I can see that happening, and they have an established run game. Part of the reason I feel, and some of the reports that I've been seeing for Samuels wanting to be out is because he's being used too much in a running back kind of role, and he's trying to preserve his career. So my more serious contenders for this are the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints. I think they have the cap room. They have the pieces to be able to ship some people off and package it with that 16th and number 19 pick that they have in this year's draft. The Patriots, because the 49ers, they got Jimmy Garoppolo on a deal from the Patriots. Maybe maybe that relationship is still kind of good there. Maybe the 49ers want to do them a solid and get the Patriots Debo Samuels for a really good deal. The Ravens, because Lamar Jackson, he needs a number one receiver. Hollywood Brown is not it. We It's been multiple years that Hollywood Brown has been the number one receiver, and we can just tell it's not working. He's more of the deep threat. We need somebody, a route runner, that can get open every time for the Ravens. And then the Colts. I mean, this is a really good team. You got Jonathan Taylor. You got Matt Ryan lining up behind the center. You have... You have, you know, protection. You have that kind of offense there that, you, that you're going to need for the coach team. They just need a wide receiver to pair with who, are, who they already have. Yeah, man, I really like that, that Bonamore and um, Coach look. I believe he'll be a great pickup if the Ravens get him, an even better pickup if the Colts get him. But I got a couple other names I believe that, you know, you'd be a great fit for. Uh, first about that Buffalo Bills team, you know, you already know they're great defensively, but, you know, the run game is really absent. You can use him in a couple of different packages and stuff. Um, you already have Stephon Diggs at the number one, so you're taking a little bit of weight off of um, Stephon. You can't double-team Stephon and leave Debo wide open. And then you, they already have a really good tight end in Dawson Knox. And if you're able to do that, you know, it's easier for Josh Allen to spread that ball around. He might, he might have to throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game. Another team in the Eagles, a young quarterback, mobile quarterback in um, Jalen Hurts. They already have a number one in um, Devontae Smith. Give him somebody else on the other side of the field to throw the ball to. 
and you can even um, use Debo and some RPO or like some bubble screen, some some easy stuff to get Jalen um, Hurts confidence up. Another team, the Chicago Bears, once again, a young mobile quarterback in Justin Fields, same thing, except for they don't have really a number one receiver. I mean, they have, oh, never mind, they do have um, Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So give him another target to throw to in Debo Samuel. And like I said, again, you know, maybe some bubble screens or something to build, um, build his confidence up. And uh, as the game goes, you know, things are looking good. It makes it makes the team a little bit harder to defend from uh, a defense standpoint, harder to stop. Yeah, man. I really like that. Um, the Bills. I mean, established quarterback, established tight end. You got Stefan Diggs paired up with Debo Samuel. I mean, goodness gracious. I I don't I don't know what defensive coordinators would do to stop that because like you said, like even though Debo he doesn't like being used in a running back situation, the Bills they don't have they, they don't have a run game. And that'll help solve some some of the issues that uh they have going on there with Debo Samuel. So I think that if they can make it happen, that'd be a scary team. The Bills might be my favorite to win it all if they can make it happen. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, another person making it happen on and off the court is your boy Ja Morant, 2021-2022 NBA Most Improved Player. Ja Morant, he's become the first player to win Most Improved after winning Rookie of the Year which he did in 2020. However, John Morant, he didn't keep the award. He gave it to Desmond Bain, his teammate, came in fifth place in the voting. Now, Sean, do you agree with John Morant winning this award? Uh, not, not really. I mean, I do, I do see the improvement that he's made to his game. He went from averaging 19 points to 27 points a game. His assists went down by one. I don't really see that as a major um, downgrade or anything. His rebounding went up from four to five rebounds a game. Uh, the person I believe that should have won it is DeJounte Murray. He finished second, I believe, in the um, most improved player race. Um, he went from averaging like 12 points to almost 20 this season. His assists went up from four to eight, eight and a half, almost nine. Rebounding went up from four to almost 10. So basically almost having a triple-double. And I believe, you know, if he actually had some pieces around him, this first team could have been doing something. And that's why I think, you know, he didn't win it this year. I mean, the Spurs finished 10th or 11th in the East, I mean, the East, the West. So, I you know, that does play a factor in, you know, the impact he had on this team, even though, you know, the numbers do speak for themselves. But given that John Morant is in the West and West is, you know, really stacked and for his team to finish second in the second, right? I believe yeah. so. Yeah, they finished second in the West. I believe that's why um, he won it. But personally, I believe he should have gone to the John T. Murray. Yeah. Um. I, excuse me, I'm fixing stuff on OBS, man. Always, always making sure content is right. But um, I, I agree with John Morant. 
winning uh, rookie of the year. I mean, you it like you talked about earlier. It's not all about stats. Not all, and yes, stats are a big part of it. Stats do help tell the story. But when you sit down and you watch that game and you watch John Morant play, the attention that he brings to himself when he has the ball in his hand, when he doesn't have the ball in his hand, it it's significantly different from this year from this year to last year. I mean, John Morant came in this season and he put the entire NBA on notice. I mean, you talked about some of his numbers already, but I mean, he went from 19 to 27 a game, almost nearly jumping 10 points, which nobody else in the most improved ladder had did. I mean, getting better on the boards, 5.7 rebounds this year. Assists went down a little but he has other teammates that are stepping up significantly. I mean, John Morant's coming out, John Morant's, you know, missing games, and the team is still not missing a beat with him out the game. But even, the, even that being said, when he comes back in, this team is an entire different dynamic. I don't see this team being a, a so highly seated without John Morant being there for the bulk of the season. I agree, but I don't. If you put, and I, I'm not going to say that because it's not going to know that they have these two different styles of play. What were you going to say? I was going to say you put DeJounte Murray on, on the on the Grizzlies, but John Brent and DeJounte Murray play two different styles of offense. So but I, I still think it's it's got a lot to do with the what John Morant can do for a team. I mean, Deontay Murray, incredible, incredible year. I mean, 21 points, 8.3 rebounds, 9.2 assists. I mean, leading the league in steals at two a game, very efficient on the floor, 46% from the field. It that's very impressive. Very impressive. I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what he'd be able to do with this Grizzlies team, but it, just to think about it, it's I don't know, and I and that may have, that may have uh, played a a role in how this how this uh, award went out because John Morant leading his team, Deontay Murray also leading his team in a lot of in a lot of different ways, but I mean, didn't make the playoffs was in the playing game compared to in the playoffs kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. I got a maybe a better one. Imagine if he was on the Timberwolves. Deontay Murray on the super. Team. Yeah, super decent on same numbers. Hmm. I don't know. That's a, that's a team around. You got Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and let's just say you move uh, D'Lo to the sixth man coming off the bench. I'm not. I'm not making D'Lo come off the bench for Deontay Murray. I'm sorry. That that that's why I was like, I don't, I don't know because who somebody got to come off the bench, and ain't one of them three. And I bring a Pat Beverly off the bench because he's not going to produce. Okay, you bring Pat Bailey off the bench, but now you have four people who 
kind of need the ball. I don't. I just. I. I, I think he's in a perfect situation in San Antonio, and I don't think. I don't. I think another situation he could thrive, but I don't. I just don't. I don't see it happening in Minnesota. Uh, a thing that you know we will see happening here in the future is the NFL has changed the overtime rules. After many years of fans and players complaining, the NFL has finally made changes to the overtime rules. The rules will ensure that both teams will receive a possession in overtime. Amar, how do you feel about this new overtime rule? It's about mm, boy, almost. Hey, I, I yeah. heard it coming. Hey, I heard it. Right. It's about daggone time, boy. Hey, in the words of LeBron James, it's about time. But this is this has been something that I have been waiting on for 12 years. 12 long and grueling years ever since 2010 NFC Championship. When I was really first getting into football, you know, Brett Favre went to the Vikings. I became a Vikings fan. That's how I got started with it. Um that season, played New Orleans in the NFC Championship game, not really knowing anything about all the rules and things of football. You know, I was like, all right, we're going to overtime. It's okay. You know, both teams going to get a chance to get a ball because common sense, right? I mean, in basketball and overtime, it's not like it's, it's not like every time it's sudden death. Both teams get a chance to score the ball and get a certain amount of times. Whoever most points at the end of that time, you it's a dub. It's, it's not the case in football, at least not the case back then. 2010, New Orleans Saints got the ball first, drove down the field, kicked a 40-yard field goal, called game, went to went to the Super Bowl. We didn't even get a chance to we didn't get a chance to sniff the ball on offense. And that's a problem. What especially in today's league, where the scoring is so high, it's so really good. Make make more money off of that. And I think that's what the NFL is doing because there are countless of times in the postseason alone where there were teams who got who won the coin toss and then scored on the very first possession. Just a few examples. 2012, the Broncos versus Steelers when Tebow made the 80-yard pass to Demarius Thomas. Broncos won that coin toss and then won the game. The 49ers versus Giants in 2012. Giants won the coin toss and won the game on the first drive. If we want to go to some more recent years, just, just this past year, the 2022 AFC Championship, Chiefs versus Bills, Chiefs win the toss, and they score on the first drive, and that's game. And we were that, – that game right there was top tier, probably one of the best games that was played in the entire 2021-2022 season. If that rule was in effect now, we'd probably still be watching this Chiefs versus Bills game just because both teams' offense looked unstoppable at that point. So I like, I like, the implement, I like how they're going to be implementing this new rule. I just wish it was in the regular season as well as it was in the playoffs. Yeah, man, for it not to be in a regular season is like qualifying for something, but you can't get it until, you know, they say they're going to give it to you. Right. Which is crazy, but yeah, man, I'm really excited for this change, man. 
it's it's going to be it's going to be from a fan's point of view. You know, it adds more entertainment to the game. You're making more bang from your buck if you're in the NFL. And and it's crazy because you know college players, you, you go from from college to the NFL, where in college, you know. Um, both teams got a chance to um, possess the ball, score. You know, both teams keep scoring, the game keep going, and then you know, dreams gonna trigger maybe to the league. And let's say you get get burnt like that, um, the Marius Thomas catch, and your whole season is over. Yeah, I mean, so what mistake can end your season? And think that I, I that's so true and how how it needs to be but in like certain situations i mean hey like chills be the i keep saying chills chiefs bills game if patrick holmes came down scored cool bills came down and they coughed up and throw a pick you you did that to yourself you you had the chance to win so i like i like the rule I think this. I think this postseason is going to get very interesting with this new rule in effect. You know, more teams are going to try to go for the tie instead of going for the win. So, I mean, you down by three, it's not so much pressure to try and score the touchdown. We can be like, all right, we gonna we gonna run down this clock. We gonna kick this field goal. We gonna go to overtime because no matter what, we're both gonna get the ball. I, I, that's if you got trust in your offense, though. If you ain't got trust in your offense, then you're screwed regardless because you got to go for the lead. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, man. Um, I really hope we see a lot of overtime games in the regular season so they can force it in the regular season as well. Yes. To the last topic of the day, as you can see, we have another guest. It's my boy Ruff on the show today. Ruff, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing all right. Not sure how are you? Man, I'm good, man. You know, just living life, working hard, talking about sports and something I love, so I can't complain. Yes, sir. Lamar, what's going on? Man, what's up, Ruff? Man, I'm glad to have you back on the show, man. It's been a minute. Yes, sir, man. We we out here trying to do some things. We got to work, man. Yes, sir. I understand you. As much as I want to talk about Coach K's last two hours to North Carolina, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Washington Commanders. I'll say Redskins. I'll say football team. I don't, next year, I might change the name to Who knows? <laughs> so. Now, we're here to talk about the Washington Commanders. They have six picks in this year's draft, including the number 11 overall pick. And, you know, the rough reputation we see being, you know, um, addressed in this year's draft for your team. You know, man, the Washington Commanders have a few needs. Um, I think that linebacker is the number one need for the team. Uh, that was very uh, evident last season watching. You know, we, we had a weakness in that position, uh, that linebacking core. Um, so we got to address that. I think that we'll address it with one of our earlier picks. I don't know if it'll be the first one or uh, the second. But I think within probably this, at least the second or the third pick, I think we'll address the linebacker position. Uh, we also have a need at tight end. 
You know, I like Logan Thomas, but I don't know if he'll be 100% when the season tips. Um, and uh, so I think tight end is another position we have to look at. Uh, the wide receiver position. You know, we have Terry McLaurin, who was expected to be back, but they got to get his contract, contract situation uh, taken care of. Um, you have Curtis Samuel, who you just don't know what to expect from him. Been hurt the whole season last year. I mean, I think he played in like two games. So I don't know what exactly to expect from him. But I need I think the Washington Commanders need to get a six foot three, six foot four receiver who, you know, can be that jump ball guy and, and be able to make plays in that facet. So uh, linebacker, tight end, wide receiver, and also quarterback. Quarterback is something that we'll have to look at, you know, because you have Carson Wentz. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if that's a long term thing. So I think we'll end up drafting a quarterback at some point. Um, if it's not early, it might be later. And, you know, this is a guy that if it's later in the draft, of course, it'll probably be a project. Somebody that can be able to step in in maybe two to three years, you know. But those are the four positions I think that have to get addressed. Uh, definitely the first three, like I said, linebacker, tight end, and wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with you with that uh, right receiver piece, you know, uh, I think Terry McLaurin, he definitely needs a number two to go along with him. Looking at the stats earlier, he a thousand yard receiving the year, but nobody else had over three over three hundred and like fifty yards, something like that. And you can't have that kind of big drop off in production. I also say you could address that uh, eleven pick with the offensive line player because the. He, uh, Carson, not Carson Woods, but uh, Taylor Heineke, he was the seventh most sacked quarterback uh, in the league last year. Then I said some other pieces that you guys could kind of, you know, dabble with is the cornerback, linebackers, as you said, and uh, some edge rushers to go on with Chase Young. Absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, three of the names that I would like to throw out uh, that I would love to see us get is Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton is a guy that I would love to see us get, Notre Dame. Uh, he sits for 220. Uh, also, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, six feet, 192 pounds. A guy that they've been throwing out, I've heard a lot about, is Drake London from Southern California. He's a six foot four, 215 pound receiver. So he fits that prototype that we need. Uh, but I don't know if that's the guy that I want. I'm not the biggest Drake London fan. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, we have a few different needs. Like you said, I agree with that. We could use some help in the cornerback and safety position also. A guy that I would love to see us call, I don't know if it's going to happen in free agency, is Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas, we know he's a veteran. Uh, he's not played in two seasons, but he said that he's ready to go. He wants to continue playing. And I believe he has something that he can give to the team uh, from a leadership perspective and from a uh, on-the-field perspective. So. I would love to see us reach out to Earl Thomas, but like I said, um, we got a few different needs. You know, we're not one of those teams that's, that's at the top of the league right now. I think we can have potential to be a playoff team if we do the right things, but we have a, a few different needs that we have to get addressed for sure. Yeah, I agree with everything y'all was saying. Um, that first pick, though, given, you know, I'm a Panthers fan, and give me, you know, have Ron Rivera now as a head coach. He loves defense, so I know for sure whatever pick it is, that 11th pick, 
He's going to be a defensive player. Like you were saying, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. I think he'd be a great fit for your team. He can um, play multiple positions. Uh, multiple positions. You can plug him in the linebacker if you need to. And drop back play safety, but he's known for position. So I definitely see that being a first pick address. And like what Mark was saying, I believe the one and two probably be defense in that wide receiver. Yeah. So uh, what's some of the names you've been hearing, Ashan? Uh, Kyle Hamilton, um, I think I forgot his name, but wide receiver from North Dakota State. Um, big wide receiver. He's getting a lot of looks um, late first, early second round. <laughs> um, I kept seeing a cornerback, Derek Singletary from LSU. I believe that's another position that Washington needs to address, given, you know, I'm very love defense. Address that quarterback. I definitely see that safer pick maybe in like in the third round. If he's still there, maybe somebody like Sam Howell from North Carolina, plug him in. He can be ready in probably about a year or two, depending on how Carson Wentz plays if they, you know, if he produces well and, and so on and so on. Um, but those are just a couple of names that really stood out to me that I believe would be a, a great fit for the Redskins, or Redskins, the commanders. Yeah, man. Uh, that's that's going to be one to get, I'm going to have to get you to, the commanders. But um, Kyle Hamilton as safety for the number 11 pick, I'm, I'm really high on him from Notre Dame. Had a really good season at Notre Dame. Uh, Johan Dotson from a wide receiver from Penn State. And um, Marquise Hay is an offensive uh, guard from Oklahoma. Those are the kind of the three players that I'm looking for the commanders to, you know, use their first picks to try to even out, you know, offense and defense on the side and uh, protection for the quarterback. I can agree with that. And one thing that's kind of off topic, but it's on topic, I would love to see us go after Jermaine Martin, running back out of North Carolina A&T. He's a sleeper. Pick, but I, I believe that we have a need a running back also because Antonio Gibson, although I believe he's a good running back, he, he has a little issue with his fumbling. Well, a big issue with fumbling. He fumbles way too much. And so maybe it's best for him right now in this stage of his career to continue to be a uh, guy that splits the carries and the usage. You know, maybe he's not the bona fide number one that's getting uh, 18 carries and, and seven uh, targets in a game. Maybe he should be a 50-50 guy or maybe or a 65-35 guy, something like that. So I would love to see us get a, give a look to Jermaine Martin uh, in the later rounds. Um, I think that he's, he's a guy that has potential. And uh, as I hope that we get to see a few different guys from HBCUs get drafted, there's no reason why they shouldn't. Yeah, man, I definitely agree with you. I'm rooting for my friend, High school with uh, Josh Williams. He's cornerback out of Fayetteville State. Been very, very, very high. You know, looking that he might get drafted. So keep fingers crossed, hoping that uh, he and more HBCU players get drafted this year. I love to see a multitude of the names being called up. Graduated from HBCU this year, driving that you know they had the HBCU combine for this year, and that's just a 
a gateway for many other HBC athletes in the future. That's definitely so. Uh, Ruff, we appreciate you for coming on here talking about the drafts for us. Uh, what, how do you feel about the team's new name? How do I feel about what now? How do you feel about the team's new name? For me, the name is not that important to me. It's just not. It's not one of the things that I, you know, sit around thinking about too much. Um, from the choices that we had, it probably wouldn't have been my first choice. Um, but again, it's, it's something that I look at like, you know, it is what it is. They, they felt like they needed to change the name from what it was. Uh, and you didn't want to stay with Washington football team. So they chose this one. Um, like I said, not a big deal to me. I just think that the product on the field is what I'm focused on. And, and we got we to gotta make some changes, got to do some things in the draft. And uh, if we do what we can, what I believe we'll be capable of doing, nobody will really be focused on the name. Yeah, man, I understand you. So uh, I appreciate you for coming on to the show, man. Can't wait to bring you back after the draft to talk about what the commanders did, man. Uh, if you guys have not, go ahead and follow uh, Ruff on everything, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Apple Podcasts, at Timeout Sports. And, and have a good day, Ruff. Man, appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you, no problem. Some things that we got to see a lot of in the regular season is Marcus Smart putting it on everybody on the defensive end. As he was the 2021-2022 NBA Defensive Player of the Year, first guard to win the award since Gary Payton in 1996. You know, there's always haters out there. Not everybody is happy with the decision. So, Nishan, do you agree with Marcus Smart winning Defensive Player of the Year? Yes, I mean, history speaks for itself. The first guard to win it since 1996. It's pretty crazy, you know. You know, haters are going to say, oh, he didn't lead the league in steals, blocks, or rebounds, or whatever. But the defensive game is more than that, you know. It may not always pop up on the stat sheet. The impact that he has on the defensive end. And it's, it's crazy, you know. He's been doing this for a couple of years now, and he's finally um, won this award. This goes to show, you know, he stayed dedicated to his game and how he felt he could impact the game from his standpoint for his team. And you can see it now. I mean, this is what the Boston Celtics and the defense that they played against KD, one of the best scorers the game has ever seen. Kyrie, one of the best ball handlers, skilled players the game has ever seen so far. The way they, they play defense against them is crazy. You know, his energy is affectionate to the team, and you saw that in our first round. So, I mean, I agree with it. Shout out to him, you know. <laughs> Real dogs. Yeah, so – I agree with you, man. I mean, I like this. We've been talking about the precedent, and I think all of these awards have been this way this year between most improved, defensive player of the year, and rookie of the year. Stats are no longer the only thing that we are looking at to tell us who the best player is in the statistical category. In this case, Mark Smart and defensive player of the year. He was the best player. He's the best defensive player. In the entire league, I mean, 
like you said, he wasn't top 10 in steals. He was 25th. I mean, he was I'm not I wasn't going to scroll that far down to try to find him in blocks and rebounds because I, I just knew I just knew that he was going to be like in the hundreds because I mean, four rebounds a game, probably less than a block a game. I'm not I'm not going to scroll down for all that. We know he's not even in the top 50 in those two categories. And he still is able to get this award. I mean, Gary Payton, when he won when he won the award in 1996, he let, he was third, he was third in steals at 2.4, third in third in total at 197. I mean, he didn't have that, he didn't have the blocks and rebounds as you know we expected from a guard, but the guard position being what it is to today in this game. It's a dog eat dog world, man. Like you said, go, go ahead and bark for us one more time. Cause go ahead, go ahead and bark. Start. See you hear him. That that that's what it is every night. Cause you gotta think about it. One night you can go from John Morant, then you gotta go to Trey Young, then you gotta go to Deontay Murray, then you gotta go to Phoenix and Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I mean Drew Holiday. I mean we there, there's a legit guard. On every team. I mean, even Cleveland, Darius Garland. You go to Detroit, you got a guard, Kate Cunningham. I mean, th- there's legit guards on every team. It, it's a battle every night. And it's now become the hardest position to guard because of the caliber of players. I mean, look at how Curry has changed the game for guards. Guards can now take 35-foot shots, and we'll, we'll sit there and be okay with them. Like, that's, a, that's an okay shot. That's a good shot. You you can live you'll live with that. When Gary Payton was playing, you took a 35-foot jumper. And come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come come sit next to me. Actually, you see this warm-up right here? Put this back on. You won't wear it for the rest of the game. It's okay. Just go ahead. You have a seat at the end of the bench. I mean, because back then the competition every night was between the centers. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal, Tim Duncan, Wilt Chamberlain, Hakeem the Dream. I mean battle every night so i see why the precedent is for big men to usually win this award but it's not a battle every night for the big men anymore like it used to be at least yeah yeah man i agree there's so many great guards are playing right now and even some of the underrated guards are still going to give you a you know run for your money especially you know most offensive um, skilled guards are going to come in and want to put on the show against a really good defensive player to show them, like, I can still do this to you regardless. I don't care about where you pick me up 94 feet as soon as the inbound comes or, you know, you're pressing me right at half court. So, you know, being a dog and market smart, you have to come with that energy every night to pick up somebody maybe 94 feet or be on them at half court. and these guards are scoring 20 the 25 or maybe you know close to 30 points a game and to take that assignment on every night and so you know get back on offense and try to run the offense for your team it's crazy and not only can he guard the guards but i believe you know the game is changing so you got a lot of small guards or you know small bigs i believe he can guard up to that four position um, oh, yeah, I definitely know, you know who it is. So it's more than guards. He he was guarding Kevin Durant for a little bit, and um, in the Brooklyn series, you know, they switched multiple people on him. 
he can do it all, bro. Yeah, I I definitely I agree with that. I mean, guarding up to that four position, most definitely. I mean, because now you gotta think about it, like there's some four, there's some forwards that are really short. I mean, like Zion Williamson, like that's a that's a big man, but he is not your typical six nine power forward. Look at Draymond Green. It's a big man, but not your typical six nine power forward. So I feel like Marcus Smart, he can guard some of those people and still be effective. And I, I think he did a lot of that this season, which puts why he can be named this defensive player of the year. Shout out to that dog and Marcus Smart. Yes, sir. Shout out to Marcus Smart. Well, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, that's all we have for you guys today. Um, we appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode of JOL Sports. If you watch to the end of this, and you're right here with us, we definitely, we appreciate you. Well, the fam right here. Appreciate you. Yeah. But if you have not, go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It, the, the, the link to each page will be down low, or you can just go type it in, Wall Sports, J-W-A-L Sports. Also, we are now streamable on all podcasting platforms. Form. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on whatever, whatever you name it. We there. And if I'm not there, shoot me a message. Shoot, you can hit us in the DMs, and I and I'll be there. It's simple. It's a simple, simple. So let us know. Keep being the great people that you are. Keep being the great loyal followers that you are. And don't forget to hit that notification bell somewhere up there. Okay. Dang. <laughs> we, we close, we hey, bro, if you enjoy the chemistry, you know, like this is not rehearsed, bro. Like that was just like spot on. Right? This is like it. comment, subscribe, tell your friend, tell your barber, you know. We trying to get out there. Yes, sir. And that being said, guys, we out. We out.